Hey Clappercast family, your host Carson Tamar here with a bit of an intro before an intro. So if you notice, the episode you're about to see, Wonka, um, was originally posted as the December Patreon uh, special. This is the film um, that we were going to do exclusively on there. It actually got published a couple days ago. Um, but last minute, there was a lot of tough scheduling, um, like a lot of, <laughs> of, of difficult scheduling things um, that ended up making the Boy in the Heron episode, which we originally were supposed to post this week. Um, it's not happening. <laughs> you know, there's a small chance it could get rescheduled, but it probably is not happening. Um, if you want my thoughts on it, you can find my full review on Buttered Popcorn this week. Um, but... What that means is we have an opening. We need a new episode for this week, and the only thing we have available is Wonka. Um, so Wonka is being posted as our normal episode this week, and then if you to make it up to the patrons, because yes, you did get to see this a little bit early, but you didn't get like an official, I guess, fully exclusive episode this month. Next month in January, we have our normal schedule for Clappercast. Um, we're reviewing Ferrari. We're reviewing Bad Education. We're reviewing quite a few films. Um, we also have our Patreon episode where me and the great, iconic Alina Falds, we're going to review The Iron Claw, and we're going to review a couple Elvis films. Um, but we're also going to do a bonus Patreon bonus episode, I guess. A lot of bonus in that sentence. Um, so you will get Patre on Patreon another exclusive episode to make up for this one going out to the public. Um, I don't think anyone really cares that deeply, but I just want to make sure everyone is getting what they agreed to. I don't know what that episode is going to be, but I promise it's going to be fun. Um, so with that, enough of this intro before the intro. Let's get to our review of Wonka. <laughs> Hello and welcome to ClapperCast. Today for our December 2023 Patreon bonus episode, we're bringing you a special holiday treat as we review Paul King's Wonka. Starring Timothy Chalamet, the film is a prequel for Willy Wonka as he tries to open his first chocolate factory, but is met with not only a group of bullying chocolatiers, but also a general disdain for him in the city that he has to overcome alongside an Oompa Loompa and an orphan named Noodle. The film is currently playing in theaters, and we are joined today by Editor-in-Chief Jack Luke Sharp and Maxence Vincent as we discuss both the highs and lows of the experience. Sit back and enjoy our review of Wonka. And of course, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Okay, and I feel like it's probably right that I start the episode today, because throughout this year, if you've been listening to the podcast, whenever we're talking about films to come in 2023, um, I've been rather positive and supportive about Wonka coming out. Um, I think back on the podcast in the ye old days, we even talked about the set photos here. Um, I enjoy what Paul King has done with the Paddington series. I am somewhat of a Timothy Chalamet uh, apologist, you could say, in some cases. Um, so I walked into Wonka really ready to enjoy it. You know, a lot of these films like this, I can kind of give four stars on Letterboxd and move on with my life. Um, I'm very open. I'm very open to receiving what they are delivering. Um, and I must say with Wonka, I wanted to make sure my opinion on this film. So I went and saw this thing twice. Um, last Yesterday I saw it again. Um, and I, I am 
only more confident in the fact that I think this film is quite poor. Um, we, we'll get into it. I'm just going to keep my thoughts very light here. Um, but taking a property that is built on this, especially the first film, not necessarily the newest one, but um, the first film that is built on this imagination, on this wonder, on genuine awe at what you are seeing. And it takes the most boring basic route that is not fun it isn't funny um and it does not have any of the wonder and the fact that you get to the scene where it's supposed to finally be magical and for a lot of this film like let's be clear the magical moments are like them breaking into a zoo and just seeing like a bad cgi giraffe it's not really the most inspiring of content but when you finally get to the candy scene this is finally the moment right it is all just like CGI and it all looks bad and it's all poor and it wasn't exciting. Uh, the songs are bad. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, look, I love you, Timmy. Um, I think your career is going to be fine with me saying this. Not a great performance from you. I don't really know how the Golden Globes happened, but valid. Um, overall, I'll just say not my, you know, a little bit bitter of a piece of chocolate for me. Um, but I'm curious to see what you guys think on Wonka. Well, um, <laughs> that, was, that was that was quite the the bold uh, the bold opening hot take, I guess. Uh, I you know here's here's the thing. Okay, I should probably contextualize. This is the DVD. This is a DVD that's twenty about twenty years old here. I don't know if you can see. This is the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory DVD, and I'm just gonna go ahead and like it's it's all scratched. I don't know if you guys can see it, but like it's all it's all scratched. Uh, for for the longest time. This was my like all-time favorite movie. Like um, it's the movie that I credit for making me fall in love with the art of cinema and the art of, of movies itself. Like I would go like I would go to my grandparents' house, I would beg them to take me to the video store, and every time I would go to the video store, which doesn't exist anymore, of course, um, I would rent out the VHS of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, no fail. It's like the only movie that I wanted to watch. And they, so they gave me this DVD about like 20 years ago on Christmas Eve. And I still got it. It doesn't work anymore because I've exhausted it completely. But I still have it as a sort of, I guess, time capsule for my love of cinema. And so I guess I was going to be a little bit biased when the I, I saw um, the trailer for this movie. And then I went to see the film yesterday in IMAX, of course. And um, I enjoyed it. But it's not like nowhere near as good as, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It is much better than Tim Burton's dreadful Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, that being said, it looks like shit. Um, the uh, cinematographer of Old Boy uh, <laughs> did the cinematography for this film, which is uh, uh, <laughs> insane, but um, whatever. Uh, I, I thought T- T- Timothy Chalamet was pretty good. The songs were, were all right, you know, like I, I, I mostly enjoyed it. Like I had a good time. It like the flaws stick out like a sore thumb and uh, <laughs> it was a much better movie than Paddington 2. So I guess I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I have no relationship with this material aside from I went to go watch the Tim Burton version in 2006 when I was 10. I remember going to the cinema to see it. Um, I, I think the, the, the original with Gene Wilder is, is sort of a staple of being quite an edgy early performative piece of sort of um young young what's that like that pubescent adolescent sort of degree of tone um i've 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 dreaded watching this i've I've absolutely dreaded wanting to go watch this i've stayed clear of every single thing i can imagine including 
posters, trailers I've had to see in the, in, in the film and in the cinema when I've, when I've been there to watch uh, previous things, but I've, I've really not wanted to watch this. I'm not really a big fan of Paul King. I haven't seen much of his work. I've seen the first Paddington. I haven't seen the second one. Everyone adores it allegedly, but I'm not too sure. Um, and then having wanting to do this podcast, speak to Carson and, and, to, and to Max, I thought, well, I'll do this. And, I'm in the middle of both of you. I don't hate this, but I don't. I don't love this whatsoever either. Um, I think everything that Max said, I completely agree. The, the, the flaws on offer here are so obvious; it's actually painful to see. But in the same token, I wasn't. I wasn't whimsical, and and I'm walking out of the cinema with a massive smile on my face. But I thought this was adequate. But for me, it's interesting that Max brings up the the Gene Wilder version, and I, I think that's the pinnacle of of not patronizing an audience that film. I think it's dark, it's a little bit edgy. It, it fits the tone superbly well. I think Gene Wilder's probably immaculate in that film. Um, set design, production design, the the characters, the the atmosphere. Um, I think even the musical numbers, and I'm not a musical fan, I think are, are, are excellent. Then the Tim Burton one is interesting because it, it tries to echo the same sentiments in a creepier way with Tim Burton's aesthetic. This to me felt the most sanitized version I've seen, and I thought it was a quite a big letdown. And, and, and to that degree, I want this story to be quite um, not edgy. I think that's probably too far of a push of a word, but I want it to have a little bit of tension, a little bit of atmosphere, just have a little, little tiny bit of edge. And this was so sanitized; it was unbelievable. And for me, watching it, I was just, it just screamed that Timothy Chalamet wanted to echo Johnny Depp. Like there's some sort of um, idolization there, choosing projects, and I think trying to um, even to uh, evoke a sense of style and, and and something along those lines. I think there's definitely a, looking at him as a, as a as a as a as a peer, no, no doubt. But here, just it just it's a, such a strange choice, albeit an interesting one in, in terms of pushing your your filmography out there. Don't, you know, I'm not going to be <laughs> one to argue against it, but I sort of have to just agree with Max, like. Uh, there's nothing here that came to me. There's, I just watched it, and it was just something that just came over me. This to me is like a British Sunday Christmas type of film. I, 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 the, the cinema wasn't very busy when I went to go see it, although it's done quite well. It's very paced, very strangely. It has very strange to um, tone issues. Um, the running time was again way too long. The musical numbers did nothing for me, um, and the only sort of saving grace here is Hugh Grant, and that sort of echoed with a certain. Um, issue in its own right so uh, it, 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 I'm just sort of meh on it you know it didn't do anything for me so this would be interesting to get into this but um, I could take or leave this I'm, I mean Roald Dahl's is, is, a, is a staple in, in literature anyway and I think to just sanitize it so much into into to, to do something like this it, to me is just such a wasted opportunity this is pretty like kind coming from the person whose reviews first sentence is Wonka's this year's Doolittle. Um, oh well, but yeah, uh, we'll get on to that. We will get on to that. Don't don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is just like narratively, if we're gonna do a prequel to Wonka, right? What story are we gonna have Wonka go on? What adventure? Um, we obviously know there's Oompa Loompas. We know that there's these grand worlds that you could explore. I don't know if I ever was like, you know, I really want to see Wonka like have to pay off his debt. <laughs> And be like, hate, be like bullied by other chocolatiers who don't like that he's really good at making chocolate. Like for me, it just feels like that's probably one of the more boring options you could choose as far as like what adventure are we going to see young Wonka go on? Um, and then he meets like this orphan and then it's all this like emotional like, I just want to give you a better life. And I made a promise. So I have to go to the North Pole. Like, I don't know. It didn't do a lot 
I, I found that to be very questionable. I think that's where like the biggest issues for me kind of started was just like it was a boring film narratively, much less, you know, the songs and everything else was disappointing, I would say. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I don't know. Maybe, were you hooked on seeing how he was going to pay his debts? Um, again, I was more worried about that, the... that, that, that feeling for me of like being extremely sanitized. We, we spoke about this last week on the, when we when we did was that just two weeks ago now when we did our last last show. And we spoke off air about, like, I asked you, if is it a prequel to the, the Tim Burton version or is it the prequel to the original um, Charlie Chocolate, Willy Wonka and the Charlie Chocolate Factory? And, and we, had, we sort of, you said it was a Gio Milder one. And here, I was sort of, I didn't, I didn't not, not from what you said, obviously, but the implication there to me was, like, it would have some sort of lineage to that film. And it doesn't, it's just a prequel setting, setting a story of, of Willy Wonka himself, probably to the Roald Dahl book. Which I think that's probably the best way to do that. Granted, they have the avenue to do it, but but again, going back to narrative, there's nothing here that is intriguing. You you find that he's a good person, and he's a good person, and he's a good person, and then believe it or not, he's a good person. And, and granted, the target audience that this is approaching is it's not one to to go on a, a deep dark um, curvature of, of of being a, a character of torment or anything. But it was interesting that. That there's there are there are multiple avenues here to sort of inject a little bit of life skills, a little bit above the mundane, and every opportunity it's more it feels like it's mandated to protect itself and perhaps the uh, the literature the, the literature behind it um, a little bit. And for me again, I just feel that that's sort of almost just um, a contractual piece of, of material to get out there and throw out and not have any sort of substance to it. That's the feeling I got. But again, I don't see uh, an arc here. In my opinion, either I don't see him evolving as a character. I think he he understands what perhaps um, having some adult skills, and that's that's really it. But there's no interesting subtextual conversation here, like Gene Wilder put forward. There's no quite evil backstory that Tim Burton attempted to to try and do, and and, and lackluster towards the like five, last twelve seconds of that film in, in his two thousand six version. Um, yeah, I I would agree. I think it's just again just sanitized to a point of just. Um, really boring um, sequences, and again, not to, just to be very briefly here, I feel like that's also an issue of this film in the fact that because the story arc is so sanitized, it then has to double down on the on the production design, the set design, and the musical numbers. And granted, I think they're fine. I think they're engaging to a degree that I found them to be engaging. But other than that, they were so brash, unabashedly brash, that there's nothing else worthy of substance there. And that's the biggest thing for me where. I can I can feel as an attempt to try and um, overindulge on other aspects in order um, to to cover up certain things that are underwhelming, which is certainly that the story and the character arc, which is principally the main two things that people are there for sort of two hours. So again, I, I think it's just a a, a, a kerfuddle, as a, as the as the British would say. I think I think that's a word anyway. I was. Uh... A little bit disappointed that we didn't get to the part where he became a psychotic child kidnapper <laughs> who tortured his children into a tunnel of doom and his contraptions in that chocolate factory. Like, uh, we didn't get to see any of that. Uh, no, but um, to be more to be more on a serious note, what's really great about the original movie is that as you age, it gets better because you pick up on a lot of things that are, you know, <laughs> extremely, I would say a little bit deep for a child's film. Like the, the first like half hour of it is pretty much like a documentary where we get to see people in their everyday lives. Um, 
kowtowing to like extreme uh, consumerism like they want to get their golden tickets like there's a scene where uh, a hus- a, the, uh, a woman's husband gets kidnapped and then uh, the kidnappers call the, the police and they tell them that if, if you don't give you your um, if, 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 if she doesn't give us you know our box of Wonka bars will kill your husband and then she goes <laughs> how long will they give you to think it over which is uh, <laughs> it's really it's a, it's a brilliant it's, it's a brilliant script and it's really it's <laughs> When you when you watch it like when you're a kid you're like oh what is this like I, I want to get to the chocolate factory but like when you watch it as an adult you're like damn like this movie goes deep in this <laughs> you know representing this, you know, <laughs> this sort of consumer society that's sort of obsessed with the aura of Willy Wonka and the, the chocolates that, that that he creates without ever seeing him and when we see him it gets a little bit more twisted because we, we never really know like what he's thinking like when he walks down the the factory for the first time right when the kids meet him. And he sort of he sort of he's, he, he's sort of crippling on the street, and he at some point he backflips, and he's like, "Oh no, everything's fine." He he wants to create this sort of aura of mystery, even as the kids are in the chocolate factory. And of course, Gene Wilder's performance in that film is incredible because you never really know what he's thinking, never really know what he's doing, and it's it's always you know you're always very much engaged with that with that movie. I thought Timothy Chalamet was really good in Wonka at embodying the spirit. Of Willy Wonka, this sort of very, I guess, this young, uh, this young free spirit that hasn't been, I guess, tormented yet, because in 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 the, in the original movie, he's very he has a very much he has a very much tormented mind because who the hell would subject kids to a tunnel where we see a chicken's head get cut off and shit like that? But but here he's more you know he's more do- uh, he, he he has a, a much more uh, I guess uh, optimistic view of the world. Which made him a rather charming, uh, charming character to root for, and I thought the supporting performances were great too. I mean, uh, you, you can't do no wrong with a film with uh, with Rowan Atkinson and, and Jim Carter. I mean, come on, like these are like great actors, and they're always great in movies. Uh, I, I also really liked uh, Olivia Coleman uh, as one of the one of the antagonists, and uh, geez, what's his name, Matt Lucas. Uh, as as one of the members of the Chocolate Cartel. They were great. They were funny. The the, the comedy was was really well paced and and it was very very entertaining at times. I did not enjoy all the stuff with uh, Keegan-Michael Key's chief of police. Uh, The jokes became uh, a lot more fat-phobic when um, as the film progressed because he gets bigger because he eats more chocolate and it just, none of it was funny. Uh, and Hugh Grant, and we can talk about this, I guess, is the Oompa Loompa. Uh, he looks miserable the entire time. Uh, like he, he's literally like, "Get me out of here! I don't want to. I don't want to be in this movie." Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it because Paul King. I guess uh, he enjoys working with Paul King after Paddington too. But uh, I guess if Paul King wasn't directing this, he wouldn't have played the Oompa Loompa because he looks so miserable being in that motion capture suit, and that CGI is horrendous. It's just not good. Uh, but the film, like, I thought the film itself was was was, was fine, and, and you know it was like it, it's not it's not anything special, but those um, it could have been far worse than it is, uh, and um, you know compared to the, the two thousand five movie, which is horrible, it contains a career worst performance from from Johnny Depp, and I have no idea what he's doing there. Uh, this one this, this one was fine, like I enjoyed it. I'm like yeah, yeah, it was it was good. Like I dug it. I'm never gonna watch it again, but you know for what it was, it was fine. 
Yeah, I'd like to- we get it. It's your favorite film of the year. <laughs> we understand. Um, I like that Hugh Grant has also come out and just been like, I was miserable on Wonka. He's not even trying to hide it. I do think he's probably the highlight for me, just because I think he's giving the most inspired like performance. He has the funniest moments, of, if you can call him that. Um, I also want to say shout out Patterson Joseph for playing Slugsworth. I thought he was quite good in this. Um, I will say Timothy. If this was like a high school production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I would probably agree with you. I feel like that's the level where I'm like, wow, he really, you know, did well there. I don't know if I fully felt like he captured the energy, the motion of Wonka. Um, For me, it felt more stale and always like it was Timothy Chalamet performing, but valid. Um, But I, I will say the cast, I agree, probably is the highlight here is the supporting players. I think they all do try their best to give their characters some amount of personality and charm. And as you mentioned, it's a very stacked cast. Um, You know, Olivia Coleman's never going to be like bad, is she? Um, No one point out examples where she's been bad, but I I think she's pretty good. Well, I didn't. No one watched that. That doesn't exist. Um, I'm going to push back Sally here, but only because of of, of a a specific reason. But just before that, I I also agree about Timothy Shalman. I think he's, He's quite admirable here because I think he doesn't let the side down once. I think he he puts 100% in from the moment this film starts to the moment this film ends. And I think it's interesting that what this is going to essentially do for his career because he's doing basically what Johnny Depp did in like 2005, 2006, where, you know, he he was a very much an independent actor, then then made the Pirates film, blew him up like like it has with, with Dune, with, Tim, with, uh, with Little Tim. And then now he's going for the commercial success of just trying to get his face out there to a, to a younger audience, and I think in the, in the long run, it, it'll do him do him quite well at engaging this audience. I just don't think that, that it's a particularly impacting performance, or it showcases anything he can really do. I think it's interesting that he sings in here, and if if, if that's him really singing, or if it's if it's if it's dubbed over, then um, I mean it's it's engaging enough, but I just don't see anything at his age where this is quite engaging to, to to make this choice aside from being commercial and um, the one thing I, I say about the support and I'm, this might just because um i see this every day as someone who's british every single and i'm not joking here every single supporting actor is in british television or is in british productions every single side actor so every single person here is just i've seen them everywhere i've seen them in horrible histories i've seen them in little britain i've seen them with paul king before so aside really from from Timothy Chalamet, everything I, I, I I've sort of felt tone where I felt that nothing is essentially new, and I've seen these faces everywhere. So for me, it, it wasn't a, a sort of a aspect of, of of sort of engaging with it whatsoever. Because to me, it just I, I'm desensitized to it all. I will say though, like like Max said, I think everyone here is just it, it's admirable. I think everyone puts a decent performance. I think Matt Lucas does what he does. Um, I think Olivia Coleman does what she does. I think the the interesting about uh, the the, um, the Hugh Grant thing is I think yes he looks absolutely miserable and that's a sort of not to sound like grim here or or, or sadistic but I, f- I find that quite fun that you can tell that he hates doing what he's doing and it sort of rubs off on that character but again Hugh Grant as an umpa lumpa is is quite fun and how it's uh, observed anywhere that really is sort of disengaging but I also thought he was under not underdeveloped but underused completely it was interesting that there was a subplot there. Which you could probably argue would would, would well, he doesn't show up the, until the hour. Yeah, it, it's a long time, a long time, and yeah. it, it feels like that sub sub story arc could really have been a film in itself, which would have been far more interesting. But then I think you go into a lot of more political undertones and, and societal undertones that that perhaps this film isn't even wanting to approach. But 
I don't know. I felt this is just a, a Paul King production in the, the fact that he has his characters set up for him, like Paddington. There's not really much to do there except for write them the way they're done by a pre-existing established um, um, project or, or writer and then colourfully design um, music, musical numbers or production design and let musical, uh, that, that be ultimately its, its, um, its saving grace and let that bring in people um, and into audiences. And I think that's ultimately what he's hid behind quite a lot. But I didn't know this until this recording, but he's actually done quite a lot in British comedy in, in, with the Mighty Boosh. He's done a little bit of Little Britain as well behind the camera. So it's interesting to see where he started from and where he's ended up here as, um, as this principal, fun, uh, Paddington-inspired Wonka director with colour and imagination. And, and looking back from the Mighty Boosh era, there's a very interesting tonal displacement there. But I, again, I think he's, he's good at what he does, but he's, he very much hides behind a certain type of um, emphasis in, in cinema. I'd like to see him push out there more. But just going back to back to Timothy Shalman, like you said, um, I thought it was engaging. I thought it was, thought it was fun. I don't know what the long run this will do in his career, but that's why I brought the Doolittle thing on Twitter because for me, this feels like an actor like Robert Downey Jr. trying to make something like like this character to be overly fun, overly energetic, and it actually pushes people people away. Granted, I think. There's one performance there that's horrific, and then there's Wonka, uh, and I think out of the two of them, you can tell that a better, better production, um, a better di- a director behind the helm, lack of um, production interference is, is clear. But clear, but it's interesting that both those careers are in a blockbuster type of mentality, and they've gone for this more charming route to get a commercial of a of a younger target audience, and this one's far far better. But again, it just screams that this has been curated for someone to craft rather than it being like this i don't know if it makes sense to anyone else but it it just feels like this has been crafted by different parts and put together to be better for one one career than the other and not have it on their own you know you know go back to the gene wilder thing i don't think gene wilder when reading that screenplay was like um what will this do for my career it was reading that screenplay like what can i do for this character i just think the mentality has changed but but again we're, we're talking about apples and oranges here i think this film's far far and away removed from that but yeah again I thought it was fine. I thought it was admirable, but I just it'd be interesting to see what this does for him in the future. Maybe a Shaun the Sheep, um, you know, character in the That'd next be great. Ardman thing. I don't know. I think it shows his range too, because he's been relegated to a lot of dramatic roles, dark stuff, yeah. or you know, he plays the sad, the sad boy in comedies. You know, like you know, the French Dispatch doesn't really have a lot of emotion there, but here it's like, yeah, I can I can actually do comedy and I can do it well. Perhaps you know, with a better screenplay and with a, I guess a better, better filmic environment, he would be uh, he'd be a really great comedy star because you know, Don't Look Up was pretty terrible, but hopefully you know <laughs> that makes him pave the way for uh, for better better comedic roles because you know if not he's you know he's Paul Atreides and he's been in Little Women, Call Me by Your Name, and these weren't really comedic performances; they were very much dramatic dramatic roles. But here we can really see his range. I feel for the first time in a in his career, I guess, in his, in his short, short but very storied career so far. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that's a good point. I think, I think he, he tried to attempt to do something to that degree with, with the Adam McKay thing, the, the Don't Look Up. Um, and I think that just comes across quite one, one note and limited. And I think here, there's a lot more to be established in, in types of tone and, and thematic. And I think that, granted, I think the, the genre helps him a lot. Um, but like I said, it, 
if this is one and done, I'd like to see him do something completely different next. But but I get the impression like Carson does that this is an NYU student who who is wanting to do performance art and it screams that to, to certain points. But his career, excuse me, his career trajectory, that was a mouthful, has been quite interesting because he's not he's not necessarily the actor who has risen from the independent market like like the likes of Jennifer Lawrence has, which we've spoken on this podcast a few times. He he was in Interstellar like twenty fourteen and then. And did a few bits pieces here. Like he, he's in being a big production, so it's interesting to to look at his trajectory in that sort of sense of how he picks projects and hasn't risen to it. I mean, you know, he's worked on a few things. I think he probably would have regretted now, naming no names, of course. But it's interesting where this will go forward. If this will be more sort of a a, a subgenre that he will explore more, very much like like he, again Johnny Depp did with the Alice in Wonderland things and and Dark Shadows. I know that these are. These are Tim Burton vehicles, but they're very much more in the vein of uh, wanting to do in, intended target audience for you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen downward, and, and, and gain that audience because he's, he's he's also a very young man and he's he's got a lot of time to to to, to grapple with that. But I'll be very interested to see what he does next on, on the basis of this. I would like to see him try more comedic stuff. I would like him to just go more original. I think the issue with this is I'm always going to be comparing this character I'm watching to like Gene yeah. Wilder, and I don't feel like it's compared. Yeah, I, mean, I think like if you want to prove his range, I understand that concept and logic. For me, I just feel like this is the wrong pro- project. It sounds like you two are more positive on it, so maybe it is just in general. I think it's like going to be well received overall. Um, I was watching this scene where like you have the tree and everything, and it's the big candy scene. I was like, oh, this could easily have like a sequel to franchise if this goes well. It does feel like this character could become like one of those iconic parts of his filmography. So I guess like that's not a negative. Obviously, he did genuinely get nominated for it, so like we'll see. Um, I would be more impressed though by seeing him craft something original that he can truly call his own and when you look at that character you see timothy chalamet you don't see him trying to recreate what others have done well he's not trying to be johnny depp or gene wilder he's trying to do it he's trying to do his own thing and he can't really take inspiration from from the two because they're both very distinct very distinct takes on on willy wonka you know one is more grounded but emotionally tormented and the other is just too off kilter and weird for you know, for Timothy to take inspiration from, I I, I agree about the Gene Wilder, but I, I do think when I look at his career trajectory and I look at him as a performer, I think he does really take the, the sort of Johnny Depp route to, to heart, and I think he had a bit of opportunity here to probably envision a character that that his his peer, let's say, um, envisioned. And, and again, I agree with you. I think there's there's this off kilter, but it, it's it's totally distinctively different. In, in the wrong way to what Gene Wilder achieved. Uh, but granted, again, look, look, what much else you, can you do except for going complete opposite? I think here is a good balance between the two. Um, it's interesting because you, you say about this being a, a, an iconic character in, in the future, Carson. Uh, the, 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 the reason why I'm a little bit more positive than you, perhaps, and, and I agree with Max to the extent about this being a good performance, is this really could have gone the wrong way. There's, there are sequences here where, we, where it could be screenshot put on Twitter and it being laughably bad because I remember when the the, the uh, behind the scenes photographs came out when, when he's on the car and people were like, you know, that, I mean, Twitter does its thing, but I can imagine that, that, that there'd have been a fury about it being like, oh, this is so cringeworthy. And and to be fair, because it's so, un, it's overstated, but it's that it, there's there's no sort of tonal imbalance. It's just very straight laced in being 
phone. It's, it's a little bit dark, but it's phone. It's a little bit dark. It's phone. I mean, everybody has got like a pink nose in this as well. Everybody's has that sort of aesthetic of being, you know, almost like porcelain. Like not nothing is a believable scenario here in, in any terms, including character, including, um, I mean, even just makeup and stuff. It's always exaggerated. So he he is allowed to hide behind that if stuff falters in his in his regard because he's also got to he, he can he can well then keeping in, in, in touch with the aesthetic that's going on so you can hide behind certain things like that but really i think he stands quite tall because like you said, there's moments here the one thing that i will get on later is that i was just you hear the 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 tone you the do 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 and i was like don't do it don't don't do it but you know they're gonna have to do it to remind the audience and the last 10 minutes to me was like oh it's just it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then it then he he, he does the the song i think it's i think it's horrible it reminded me of Russell Brand at the 2012 Olympics. Come on. Oh, and I, I, to me, it just didn't land. I think there's there's a, a sentiment there where you can tell that's too big for for this performance. Because uh, because that again, like you like you said beforehand about the film, that song has lived a, a very well, even a larger life than the film itself. It's been indulged within contemporary um, pop culture as well. So it, it has a it has its own life outside of the film. And given that, I just thought, oh, and I don't think he achieved very well there. Other than that, I think he, I think he's, it's, it's a push, it's, it's a, it's a punt, it's a blind choice to do something different. And I think I, I give him all the plaudits for that. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's just different. And and I think looking back on it, I think it'll be appreciated for that. But I think he'll do more stuff like this. I think he'll really, because he's, he's like one of those film bros, isn't he? You know, he's, he's at the table with Kid Cudi and Pete Davidson. Like, do you see what I did? I did Wonka, and everyone's laughing. Around the table and like, well, no, that could destroy your career as well. Let's be very careful. But it, but again, this one worked. I'd be just very surprised if he did another one like this. Maybe he'll do one could two, you know, reloaded. I don't know. I, I think it do. It's doing good numbers. This isn't it as well. There's a franchise here. Um, but but again, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they would if they would make more. <laughs> movies, um, I like the character. I like the world, and you know. It, it has potential for more. Why not? Yeah, like we, we, we said this the day about Barbie when we were, we were all last on here. I don't I don't see the longevity there, but if stuff makes numbers and you can make a diff- interesting screenplay, then do it. But um, not to digress, but they've just made Chicken Run 2. It's on Netflix now. And you, you can tell that there's, there's, it's just the push, the difference of waiting too long is is terrible as well. That They're going to have to choose this right. And he's going to have quite a stacked filmography, but I don't think there's much there for him to develop more so in terms of character. You'd have to get darker. You'd have to you'd have to really push it a little bit more. Otherwise, we're going to see the same thing. I think Paul King needs to. I mean, he's got what Paddington Three as well. If if he's, I don't know if he's directing that, but you know, there's there's some interesting stuff to come in the future. I just think that there's more. So he is not directing Paddington Three. Is he not? No, because it's it's filming right now. But I don't know if he's directing it. I don't. I can't remember if he's directing it or not. No, he he chose to do Wonka instead of Paddington Three. He did write the screenplay. Yeah, I mean. That that that'll just be a, a again interesting to watch Paddington three if that hides behind the same qualities that, that his previous two entries have. But we'll, we'll wait and see. Again, this is going to be interesting for Paul King as well because he's like the British darling now. This puts him on a different hemisphere. This puts him in the let's see what you can do next. You know, he's a talented director. He can get stuff on screen. Um, but you know, this just screamed to me like a David Walliams production of one of his like silly little stupid books at times. You know, let's be crazy for the sake of it. You know, let's be let's be edgy. But let's not be edgy, you know. That's the that's the impression I got. There's always like this withdrawal about pushing, and then you know let's let's overstep, but let's push it back. I don't know. The Keegan 
Keegan thing. Um, I can't remember. Michael Keegan. Uh, not Keegan. And, you know, we all know who we're on about. The, the, the code with John Peel. Michael Keegan, is it? Keegan? Keenan, I'm. I'm going. You're gonna to have to help me out here, Cass. You got to stare at me. It's Keegan Michael Keith, K and Peel. Yeah, him. Um, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> that's an interesting choice. But uh, other than that, I don't think this film took any risks. That's that's dark. If that's the one risk <laughs> that they took, um, I didn't think it personally landed that well. No, I'm not saying. I'm not um, saying it I think this well. definitely just, a it's, a, it's a risk. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I totally see a sequel. Like, Oompa Loompa Land is going to be on fire. I can totally see Wonka on a boat going to a tropical island and saving them, and then they all come back to the factory. That's how you make it not problematic. Is because, like, it's like Jurassic World 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jurassic World 2, where, like, you have to save them all before the, island, the volcano yeah, yeah. blows up or something. I mean, I see the vision. Uh, Paul King, if you're not going to do Paddington 3, like, I don't know. I really think there will be a sequel. I think this is something that's going to stick around. Um, but we will see. Um, what were your thoughts on the set pieces within the film? I'm curious because it sounds, I mean, I'm curious because now I know you both like stand this film apparently. Um, cause I thought they were bad, uh, valid. Cause like, here's the thing. So I rewatched the other two and it's like the same issue I had with, uh, Tim Burton's version versus the original. It's like the original, I find the odd, the fact that you go into the room and like, it's all actual candy. I think that scene, that gimmick really struggles for me personally in visual effects. I think it just looks so fake and bad. I think the one thing I like about the store is that they do address like you pay for it. I liked that, but I, I didn't find the set pieces throughout the film to be really that memorable or exciting, even in context, like what was achieved in Paddington and Paddington two. I thought this was quite, poor i don't know if you guys disagree yeah i thought i thought the look of many set pieces were not good um it didn't look like a visually striking movie and you know because when you enter because when you enter the chocolate factory in the uh, in the original movie it like went like the camera's positioned through the point of view of the the children and of willy wonka you don't really see it when the door opens you don't see the chocolate factory and then it cuts to what they're seeing it's like oh damn like they actually built this place for real like every you know it's it's, it's probably like the, the the cups that you can eat were not candy they were wax as gene wilder said in interviews and so they had to spit it out but it, it looked real it looked you know it looked like like something that you would want to be in like the chocolate river like you would want to you would you know you probably want to drink the chocolate from that river because it looked like it looked amazing but it wasn't chocolate but anyways like it looks so real and here everything looks fake. Everything looks, you know, it's all CGI. So like the magic of wanting to be in a world that that is full of pure imagination and lived in is just not there. That being said, I did enjoy uh, some of the musical numbers. I thought the musical number in the vault with he and Michael Key as the chocolate cartel was bribing him with chocolate. I thought that was nice. The song was good. It was catchy. And I enjoyed the heist uh, the, when they're they're trying to break into the vault. With the giraffe, yeah, the CGI giraffe with Rowan Atkinson, I thought that was funny. I thought the, the comedic timing was great, and uh, you know, I, I I enjoy the pacing of the comedy, and it does go through a lot of genres as well, like a lot of a lot of tonal shifts. But it never, it never, it never feels jarring, and it never feels like oh, out of place. Uh, that being said, when he goes into the zoo and he milks a giraffe and all all that stuff, or he's singing to Noodle and they're flying with balloons in the sky, I mean, that all looked terrible. Um, and I, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm really surprised they got the guy that, 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 you know, literally, uh, established a look of many of Park Chan-wook's films to do Wonka. That being said, when he, when he went into American cinema, uh, I mean, he, he did it, the first it, he did Uncharted 
and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which looks absolutely terrible. Uh, from a visual point of view, that thing looks drab as hell. Uh, hopefully, he'll, 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 he'll pick himself up very soon because, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think certain composition here is just like unimaginative, which, which again, for me, creates like a thematic dissonance with what I'm watching on screen because we're watching something that tonally is so energetic, so full of life, Color, production design, set design. There's just everything has a, like a, a, a an aesthetic of just being enjoyed or lived in. Um, and then you get these this composition of just him in the middle of the street, surrounded by people, opening a song, and it's just, I just I'm, again just it just felt underwhelming, very imagine, unimaginative. The, the composition at times is just okay. For me, a lot of it felt like it was it was. Um, this wasn't like previs, or it wasn't. It just wasn't storyboarded at times. Because ultimately, when you have, when you have like a, a storyboard, you, you get, you know, you, you try and vision it on screen. There's there's always some sort of like connective tissue. Just seeing something that that has been thought about. Here, it felt like the backgrounds were replaced for CGI later down the road for like maybe possibly reshoots and stuff. Because there's just everything's so bland. It's reddish brown everywhere. It's just again, I get that to evoke the sense of chocolate. I'm sure, but. I get it, but we're here to see Wonka. And the one biggest issue I have is that when we get that store opening as well, that to me just does not scream an invitation. It doesn't scream um, an, an, a visualization of being immersed whatsoever. You know, it's like the Wizard of Oz moment when we go from color to sorry, we go from black and white to color, and then we get the like the Goonies moment when they go down. That the shaft and they go in the water and they see uh, what I will is boat and, and again like in the original um, 70s Willy Wonka film we get to see that and we see the green we see it lush we see this brown river running through and we see blues whites reds greens here it was just so mundane and then what, something I sort of didn't predict but I, I thought was was sort of around the corner is that obviously someone spikes spoilers but someone spikes the chocolate and the, the green hair pops up and that to me is just classic Paul King and the fact that you have absolutely no idea about story and you don't really want to invest in your characters. So let's do something visually out there and make it quirky and make, 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 it, make it, I don't know, visually advantageous without any substance. And it just be green because you know, it's wild, it's green. You know, that's the sort of a, a, a ideal I got from it. And to me, that does very little to impress me because, again, I think that's just such the standard. That, that should be the bottom line of you making trader decisions that are a little bit kooker. Oh, yeah, we'll make it green. Well, let's have a little bit more imagination. But from that moment onwards, it just doesn't have any imagination, uh, no, no pun intended. Just visually, I, I find it so flat and boring. And again, it really just is Lil Tim and, and perhaps the, the, the little co-star with him. You know, just to give it a little bit more of an, an emphasis on an emotive prowess, but, but 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 that, and then you've got the Sally Hawkins thing, and I'm like, what, what? Like, so basically, this is a kid who has gone all the way on his own to do this, and he wants to see his mom again. And you know, but again, the sentiments of that are quite sweet. The execution is just like, what? Like this guy's gone to an island, pinched local cocoa beans that are not his, and and he's the same guy who was meant to care about who's missing his mom. And I'm like, oh, there's a tonal issue there that much because of my age i mean kids again the attended audience here are going to just live that shit up as soon as that woman's head goes green they're screaming in the aisles they're loving it and again if that's the sentiments this film's trying to achieve then i'll then i'll give it its, you know i'll give it its flowers it's done what it's done 
but like but like Max said, we're going from two, love it or hate it, but we're going from two previous incarnations that have got a very distinctive aesthetic. The the the, the Tim Burton one again, love it or hate it. He's trying to make a visualization of his world, his rolled out, which I appreciate in its own right. Execution's a different thing, but I appreciate the attempt. And then the, the original just is what it is. You know, we have the, the British industrial smoke at the beginning, then we go into it's all grey and blue and, and, and poverty stricken, austerity, and then again about the capitalist stuff, and then we go into this world of just again pure imagination as this uh, green lush. Here, there's just no sort of indication of that to come. And, it, and even then, I would say that you could argue that it's from the start. So there's not even that um, provocation of, oh, then we're into this world. It very much is just a, this is the world we're in, deal with it, and we're a bit quirky. I don't know. I, I think this should be better in that, that regard. I think it's lazy on, on, on certain things. If lazy is too harsh of a word, I think it's it's definitely under understated. And even then, it's just like a basic four, four. It's a basic like forefront thought of trying to justify what they're doing on screen is just i don't know just to me it was just like eh, compositions eh. you know that's just like the three little word i get screamed to me it's like eh. you know anything like eh, eh, meh. that's what i get that idea from this again with, with the musical elements and, and the composition that, that that's sort of the sentiment I, I come to it does stick out like a sore thumb when you watch when you watch it in imax especially it's like oh, I can wow, imagine. This movie looks awful <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone has anything left to say. I think we can kind of start to transition to final thoughts on Wonka. Um, I, I, I can go. I will just say, like, again, not a big fan. Uh, happy that this is doing something for people. Um, I did not expect to be the most negative one here. But you know what? That's the move we move. So um, rip Wonka. I don't want to really talk or think about you <laughs> anymore. What are your guys' final thoughts? It's a solid 7 out of 10. Like... Like honestly, I've I've watched worse family movies this year than Wonka. It's a rather inoffensive and harmless affair. You know, it may not be the best looking movie of the year for sure, but it's I mean it's far better than um dare I say Elemental and Wish. <gasps> okay. Um, I, I, no. I I haven't seen either of those. Movies. One of those I agree with. Um You should see Wish. If you like how they did the ending um reference of the song in Wonka, I think you'll really appreciate the end credits of Wish. Is there some sarcasm I think you'll love it. Is there some sarcasm there? I can, I can, I can no, none at all. Um, I agree with... Uh, I can't believe how harsh you're on this. I think we need to talk afterwards or, or maybe get into this a little bit more because I'm, I'm generally shocked you hate this as much as you do. Um, the one thing I wanted to say, not briefly, but this will be my, my final thoughts, is that uh, I was quite worried, and I don't mind saying this, I went to go watch Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon right, at 9.30 in the morning when it came out, and it was full of children. And I've never felt more uncomfortable being there with a backpack, watching it, trying to watch four films at the cinema, and that being my first one. I was slightly worried that I was going to have the same experience here. This was a 9.30 showing, um, just normal normal um, cinema screen. And it was, it was dead, aside from um, mid-teen couples, and then maybe like 20-year-old couples. And you could tell that mainly the people were there with the, with the, the young girls and the women to watch Timothy Chalamet. That's, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but I, I can presume that's why they were there because they were talking about him constantly. And then you could just look over and see, see the boyfriend just like, you know, you can tell there's a despair. Uh, so I don't know how, how well this will do. Um, 
I don't know who this is even targeted towards. If that was my audience at half nine on a Saturday, that frightens me. I don't, I don't know who's, who, which kids are going to watch this. Maybe they're going to watch it at the IMAX. Maybe they're just that, that deep into Wonka. I don't know. Um, this is slipping for me. Uh, this is like an average film. This is like three out of five for me. If I was going to do it on Letterboxd. The more we talk about it, the more I'm just sort of underwhelmed and wanted a bit more. I wanted just more creativity on board in, in terms of actually making sense and not just there for flat entertainment. So mine might slip to a two, but this is like a five out of five for me. It's just, it's just bang average. It's, it's here, it's there, it's nowhere. Um, but I, I, would, I, would, I would find it hard-pressed to, to, to disagree with Max about you look at this it, with its contemporaries about these types of films and this genre like you've got like your weird ice age movie and stuff and then you know th- that type of creativity this is definitely something to be a cinematic experience i think kids will find something here um i don't think it'll be the talk of the playground i'm sure um but uh but it was it was just fine i would be hard pressed to 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 imagine that be in imax and i think they were showing it in manchester but you know i'd rather go watch um, godzilla minus 1 or, or the big g as Max refers to him, which I quite I quite like. Um, but yeah, this is just slipping for me. I'd say probably low, low, low three, maybe just a two. But uh, they still not live long in the memory for me. <laughs> Should I say I enjoyed it? I enjoyed Wonka more than Godzilla minus oh, one. I God. think I did. <laughs> Thank God this is going on the Patreon, <laughs> not on the normal feed. I love the contrarian, but I know for a fact that he's on he's honest about it. And I like that. I do like that. It's not just a contrarian state, but I I, I love I love um. Editing that review and like just it, like the amount of names like Gojira, Godzilla, and it was like the big G, big G. I was like, I love that. Like the big W in this review. I don't know who's taken this with Clap. I think it's Chris. Good luck to him. I couldn't do this. Could not review this film. Like it'd be it'd be two thousand words. It'd be a salt burn to me. I it didn't. I don't get anything out of it. But you know, I'm just shocked, Carson, that you are so anti Wonka. I don't get it, you know, but here we are. I don't get most of my opinions, to be fair. So, Is it because he kidnapped all those kids in that chocolate factory? I'm just jealous that it wasn't me, honestly. Put me in, coach. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You think it's a Paul King thing? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't reckon. No, because I like the Paddington films. It's this one specifically. I just hate it. Like, I, there was nothing here I enjoyed, but valid, everyone, you know? And I think especially, like, even if you want to go back to the Tim Burton one, which is not good. I don't think anyone here is going to be, like, a hidden gem. It might be on Uncut Gems one day. But, um, like, at least that had visuals that were, like, imaginative. And, like, there was something there to be, like, wow, that's, like, cool. That's awe-inspired. I like the big pink bow. I'm not going to lie. This just had, like, nothing. I'm sorry. It's, like, a fucking bad giraffe. CGI giraffe. Like, who cares? Um, the Greatest Showman was more imaginative, I thought. And it's The Greatest Showman. Like, I don't know. There was nothing. He- not that that film was good. I'm not trying to be like, that's yeah. A gri- that's a great. Hugh Jackman. That's a great point. That, though. I'm not, I don't want to go into that because we'll be here for two hours. That's a really good example, though, of the difference of these two in that energy spark can make up a lot for narrative right. flaws. And this has like, yeah, I believe, yeah. That's a good. That's a really good. Uh, good I also just don't get how you all are like Timothy Chalamet was good. I thought he was shit, but you know what? Valid, <laughs> right? Everyone has differences of opinions. I gave Cats four stars, so I can't speak oh, on yeah. it. So you know, live your lives, and I'll live mine, and we'll all respect each other's opinions and talk shit behind our backs. <laughs> um, so with that, if you want to go see Wonka, you can see it in theaters right now. Uh, make sure to get that IMAX ticket while you're there. 
Um, with that, we don't have any question of the week because this is on Patreon. But let's talk about some rapid reviews, things we've seen recently that we want to talk about that we didn't talk about already today. Jack, you seem so enthused to start. I'll turn it over to you you're first. This, what have you seen recently? You know I've, been watching. I've been watching such mid shit. Like, like uh, I watched like Devotion, uh, Moscow, <laughs> Moscow Mission. Uh, why did you watch Devotion? Because I thought like I wanted. To, why I actually really like Top Gun Maverick. I don't even mind saying that. Like, I've got a thing. Right? Same. Okay. I have an affinity with Top Gun Maverick. I don't know why. I just do. It was a it was a film I watched, but when I got on the plane, when I went to get married. They call me Top Gun at work. I, just, I have a definitive with it. Or I'll go into it another day. And I just, my, my dad were watching a film. And it was on, I think it's on Amazon Prime as an original. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Read this cast list. Oh, okay. Well, um, Glenn Powell's in it. So I watched that. And, uh, you know, it, it was just mid-tier. I, I read Alina's review and I was like, I should never have watched that film. Because everything that they said in it was like bang on. Um, but yeah, Moscow Mission, Marsh King's Daughter. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to leave it on this one because it pissed me off. But I've I've done the review of it. It's been edited. It's it's quite long. But I watched Leave the World Behind, and I'm just I'm just like mm. I'm it's, I'm getting really angry just thinking about a piece of absolute shit. Like um I, I'll I'm honest I can't find the words, but it's fucking pissing me off just thinking about it. I watched some Johnny Toe, um getting more back into the Godzilla stuff for uh, Godzilla minus one um, documentaries. I've just bombing them through, loving it, getting educated. I watched Manodrome. I got that sent to me. That was interesting. Um, very interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting film to talk about in the next few years. We're talking about masculinity. I think Jesse Eisenberg's very good in that film, but the film itself is just um, okay. But but that's good. Again, I watched Sonic 2 today with my grandma. I, I won't, won't ask any questions on that. I watched Infernal Affairs. I thought it was outstanding. Um, the one film I do want to mention, though, because... Um, it's quite poignant as well, but uh, I, I was sent the film Your Lucky Day, which has got Angus Cloud in it, which um, I know the producer, Luke Bennett, a lovely, lovely person, sent us some stuff during COVID, looked out for us, looked out for them, um, really great, great, great guy. He just sent it over and was like, look, do what you want with it. If you don't like it, no problem, just um, just do it. And I watched it, and I was, I was kind of blown away about it. Shot in 16 days. Um, has absolutely no budget whatsoever. It's a bank robbery. Well, not. It's like a robbery in a convenience store in America that from the next 10 minutes to 10 minutes to 10 minutes to 10 minutes just evolves in, into something that's quite terrifying, really engaging, really immersive, really good performances. Angus Cloud's last um, on-screen credit of, of, of seeing it, which is just tragic to see something that you're watching for the first and last time, which I find just so fucked up. It's like watch, you're going to watch the last Tony Scott film. It's like just for me, it just fucks me up. Um, but really good stuff, and, and it, it's on Amazon Prime, I think, in the US. I think it's getting released now, but just support local independent movies. I think they need it. But Luke's had a, a really tough time getting this film made as a producer, and also with SAG and After as well, that's been tough for everybody. And um, I mean, Angus died, I think, like three, four days before the trailer was even released, which is fucking tragic, but uh, it's a really good stuff, a really good um, indication of what, what um, would have been and not what not just what could have been, but what would have been. So anyone out there, just go watch it and support local cinema. It's a really good little little, little thriller. It's only eighty nine minutes as well. And, you know, it's I think it's like forty minutes, maybe an, an hour less than Sam Esmail's attempt at doing something on Netflix. So go watch it. Love it, Max. What have you seen recently? Well, it's award season, so I watched a lot of the big contenders, um, including. Fallen Leaves, which was fantastic. I recommend. 
Uh, American Fiction, another movie that I found to be uh, a very funny and very timely uh, satire on our current uh, era and our current culture. I thought it was brilliant. The Iron Claw, which has um, Zac Efron's career best performance as Kevin Von Erich. I, I, I'm not holding out hope because I don't think it'll happen, but perhaps, perhaps he will get nominated for an Oscar, which would be incredible. It'd be much better than an Oscar nomination for Bradley Cooper and Maestro because that film is a fucking heaming pile of dog shit. I hate this movie so much. I'm not even going to talk about it. Oh my goodness, this film was terrible. I remember watching it going, wow, this is really, this is it? This is it? Anyways, that was terrible. Uh, Nyad was also absolutely horrendous. But, 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 if you want the biggest laughs out of any movie that you'll watch this year for like unintentional hilarity, it will not disappoint. Smoke a joint and watch Nyad. It will change your life forever. Uh, also watched a couple of documentaries, uh, still a Michael J. Fox movie, which I enjoyed not as much as other people did, but I, I enjoyed still, uh, 20 days in, in Mariupol, which is oh, not wow. a movie that I will ever watch again, but it is a, it is a powerful, powerful, powerful piece of work and journalism as well. And I also watched a reality with uh, Sydney Sweeney. Oh, wow. Was good. And yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. It's a good little thing for it to do as well. Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't very long too, and it was uh, it was very effective. Mm. And uh, finally, all dirt roads taste of salt by Raven Jackson. That uh, uh, I don't know why A twenty four buried this film, like completely buried the film, uh, but it is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So that's there you go, a great list. Puts me to shame. I like with all these great releases, we found time on Clabbercast to do Wonka and just none of those. But, um, you know, we're covering the real cinema here. Um, it's also award season for me, so I've been watching some weird stuff. I finally got around to seeing Steve McQueen's four and a half hour documentary, Occupied City, wow. that juxtaposes um, modern Amsterdam footage during COVID and the lockdown and specifically like protests of the lockdown with the information of what happened there in World War II and Nazis and atrocities that happened. Um, the biggest issue for this film is its unwillingness to take a clear thesis. Any film that you can take the thesis away and you can take the message away being like, yeah, COVID lockdown is kind of like Nazi rule is probably not a good film when it comes to building thesis. Um, I hope that's not what the intention here was, um, but I was pretty mixed on that, though there's a lot of interesting historical information in that. I watched The Stroll <gasps> randomly. It was on my watch list. and I was just like, I want to get through this. I will tell you, I was blown away by oh, this. It talks list. about the it's trans history of sex workers in New York's meat packing district. Um, and as a queer person, as a queer educator who has specifically really struggled with finding trans history to teach of this era um, in the classroom, I think projects like this are just like the most important films for me being made. It is stunning. It mixes this professional, really informative style with a ton of personality, tons of raw emotions, very complex look, not just at like what you would expect here, but they cover so much. They cover the rise of the internet. They cover 9-11. They cover gentrification. They cover so much in this film. Um, it's one of my favorite films of the year. I think it's like truly a work of like masterful art. Um, and speaking of masterpieces, the last one I'll talk about is I also got to see The Iron Claw. Um, I was impressed with The Nest back in, I want to say, 2020. I think this is his like magnum opus here. What a beautiful American family tragedy that explores generational just like 
um, desire to rise above your current status and you just get sucked into this tar pit this family does. Um, incredibly sad, but incredibly well made. Um, definitely one of my favorite films of the year. It's sad that this one like is coming out so late that it hasn't really got a ton of buzz. I'm happy as more people see it, it's starting to get some steam. Um, I know my local film critic society, we got Zac Efron in for best actor. Um, but really, this should be contending, I think, in best picture and basically across the board. Um, really, really excellent. I think it comes out Christmas Day. I know Alina Falls will be there opening day, um, but I hope everyone else who watches this seeks it out because it really is worthwhile. Um, so some good stuff for awards season. Can I just say really With that, that is going to close. Yeah, I, I go just for it. Make mention of that. You two are eating so good, right? And I've got this stroll on my list. I know I say this on, on, on Slack all the time, but genuinely, I have got nothing like that coming up on my schedule. I've got, as shit you not, there's no iron clot. Ferrari comes out 29th of December. I have nothing, nothing else. And for some reason, my, th- my cinema is showing Titanic the musical. Now, if you could make that make sense to me, that's amazing. Um, and it, I, don't, I don't know why. And it's showing up until March. And then we're getting the Meg Ryan, what happens later. So I just want to know, like, eat good, but there's some others fucking starving out there with stuff like this. And that's me. I'm seeing Ferrari on Monday. That, I mean, I'm you don't excited. have to rub it in. But I've had every single person we've done this podcast now has had to push it in. Like, I, I'm desperate, but I'm desperate. I've got to it <laughs> 10 days and it'll be more. No, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll shut the cinema down. But Titan the Musical, that's coming up um, next week. Anyway, Carson, so. No, hey, that could be a hidden masterpiece. Support, you know, smaller cinema. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but maybe it will be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, rip, Jack, you know, sorry, you, that's your life. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. Where can we find you all on social media? Max? Yeah, you can find me on social media at Max from Quebec pretty much everywhere. Be on the lookout for my interview with the Golden Globe nominee, Alma Poisty on Fallen Leaves. Great movie. Check it out. And uh, hopefully she'll get nominated for an Oscar because she deserves it. There you go. And if people really like seeing you talk about film, you do that regularly on the internet on a certain YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I haven't been active on that YouTube channel that much right now because I'm like busy with exams. But you can subscribe to my channel, MFQ Reviews, where I talk about the latest and greatest in film and TV. I'm actually going to have a, a review of Wonka up like today or tomorrow, but it, it's coming. It's coming. I've just been working on a movie, a website, and a podcast for the same fucking class, but I'm almost done. So that's also very exciting. <laughs> you love to hear it. Jack, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and X um, and Letterboxd for this same, same username, at Jalut Chat, where I'm just reviewing mid-tier stuff, and I'm going to re- re- continue to review mid-tier stuff like t- Sonic 2. Uh, but yeah, there's some going to be some writing more on um, on Clapper, and then I've got these two features to to publish. Once I can edit the uh, the references out and make sure I don't get in trouble by sourcing something I've already sourced, which is my own writing. But we'll get there. But yeah, looking forward to it. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Carson Tamar on Letterboxd and Blue Sky now. Um, and with that, thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon. 
we love talking about film and we'll continue to do it because we have a shit ton of episodes coming for the end of the year and in the new year as jack mentioned we're seeing ferrari we're talking about it it's going to be fun um and then we have a bunch of old releases we're talking about for the next three months so we just have to make it through a couple more bad new releases and we're golden um so with that thank you so much for watching goodbye